Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Divorced Girl Smiling Podcast. My name is Jackie Pilosoff, and I'm your host. I am the founder of Divorced Girl Smiling, the company that connects people facing divorce with trusted, vetted divorce professionals. We're also a podcast, a website, a mobile app, and I offer the free consult. So when people go through a divorce, the kids are really one of the biggest concerns. Are they going to be okay? Is the divorce going to affect them? Are they going to suffer from PTSD? Are the effects of the divorce going to show up when the kids are grown? And these are all questions that people ask themselves and ask therapists. And I know I asked these questions when I was getting divorced 17 years ago. The answer to that question is yes, they are going to be okay. But there's a lot that you can do to help them through this. So today I want to talk about why they're going to be okay. And I want to offer you 16 tips for parenting after divorce. And my guest to offer the tips is Carrie O'Hara, PhD. Carrie is an assistant professor of psychology at Arizona State University. And Carrie has spent 15 years working with divorcing families and kids. She does research about children and their mental health as it pertains to divorce. And Carrie has been published in scientific journals that include American Psychologist, Journal of Family Psychology and Child Development. And Carrie's work is funded by the National Institute of Mental Health. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Jackie. It's so good to be here with you today. I'm I'm just thrilled and excited to talk with you about these tips. Well, Carrie, I'm so glad you reached out to me. So Carrie reached out a few weeks ago because she is trying to reach as many people as possible so that she can help them and possibly to participate in an ASU research project. So Carrie, thank you so much for taking time to do this. And I loved your article that you wrote for Divorce Girl Smiling with the 16 tips for parenting after divorce. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want you to share the tips in more detail. But before we get to the tips, tell my listeners about this project that they can be a part of in, at ASU. Yes, absolutely. So Jackie, thank you again. You know, like like we talked about before, I just want to make sure that um, as many people as possible know about the research that we're doing here at ASU because the entire point of doing all of the projects that I am involved in is to really develop easy to use, um, effective programs, strategies, things that parents and children can use to help navigate the stress that that often happens when a family experiences separation or divorce. So it's one of these things where it's like, we know it's going to happen. And we also know that kids find it stressful. So how can we help them um, navigate that as their parents are trying to make those important decisions and get through this stressful time? And so we developed um, four online games. And each game essentially teaches the children about um, a coping skill that they can use that help themselves feel better when they are facing these stressful um, experiences. And so what we're doing on the research side is we really want to know whether or not these games actually help kids. 
right? They look cool, they're cute, they have cute little characters on them. We think they're great, but it really doesn't matter if it's not actually helping children um, navigate these events. So what we're so we're doing the research project to really understand how kids like these games, how it helps them or doesn't help them, so that we can really make sure that what we're putting out into the world is something that is helpful and not not a waste of people's time. I have a couple questions about this. So first of all, you said, I think that the children are between ages nine and 12. That's what you're looking for. That's correct. And if somebody wants to participate in this, how long of a commitment is it for their kids to participate? Yeah, the, the study lasts for about six weeks and it involves just a couple of minutes a day of, of interacting with our research team. All right, how do they sign up if they wanna be in the project? Um, we will put a link uh, to the website. There's a study website. It gives all the important details and exactly what to do to find out more. Okay, and if anybody is interested in finding that link, I'm gonna put this in the show notes. And it's also in an article that Carrie wrote for Divorce Girl Smiling. At the end of the article, there's a link to sign up for this project, which is called Project Brain Team. So Carrie, I want to move on to the 16 tips that you want to offer people. And I, I love this article because it really highlights all that you know, because you've spent all this time researching and working with kids and knowing what they respond to and knowing what's healthy and knowing what hurts kids. So I just love these tips. So I'm excited. So let's get to the tips. The first one you wrote was be an active listener. So tell me what that means. Yeah, so I one of the things that parents can do that is so powerful for their children is really to listen. Often parents ask me, what do I say? What do I say about this? If they ask me this, what do I say? And we can work through all of that. That's an important question. But the most important thing is to listen. And so when I tell parents that, oftentimes they think, oh, well, you know, that instead of coming up with the perfect answer to everything, one of the most powerful things they can do is learn to listen. But how to listen is really the kicker there. So um, when we talk about that, really the main goal when you're listening is to show your children that you hear their experiences, their emotions. So we teach parents some specific strategies like we use the term big ears, where we're asking them, asking a parent when their child is talking to them to look directly at their child, give them their undivided attention, um, all ears, basically, that you're just, everything is focused. You're not on your phone or watching TV. It's just everything, focus, your entire attention focused on the child. Asking open-ended questions is also a way to really get the conversation going. So being a, a good listener encourages your child to talk to you, to say more, right? A lot of parents will say, well, I asked them how their day went and they said, fine, you know, and then that's it. And it's hard to keep the conversation going. So in other words, instead of how did your day go, tell me something good about your day. Give yes. me three things that you love today and maybe two things that bothered you, right? Exactly, yes. Open-ended questions. How, how did that make you feel? Um, what happened? That sort of thing. Um, 
those require more than a yes or no answer, as you just demonstrated. And so these are the questions that really get kids talking and encourage them to keep going. Um, and then the other thing is while they're sharing, help them continue to share more by giving just very short, simple responses. Um, you know, these, these really encourage kids. So things like, uh-huh, or wow, you know, when they say something that is surprising or tell me more about that. Um, using those simple responses show that you're actually interested and you want to learn more. Um, you want to know more and nodding, you know, the nonverbals and, and those short responses just to tell them that I hear I'm engaged. I'm listening. I want to hear what you have to say. So take your phone, put it in a drawer, shut the drawer, go to another room and really give your children your full attention. I think one important thing to remember is that this doesn't have to be like a 30 minute or an hour sit down. You can do this throughout your day. I mean, it's as simple as when your child comes to you and you put your phone down, you know, face down and you just turn to look at them. It could last one minute or two and minutes. And guess what else? If you start doing that, your children are going to grow up doing the same thing, giving other people full attention because they learn from us. And that is so important in this day and age because nobody really listens fully, I don't think. They're always looking at something, doing something else. We have too much outer stimulation from other things. And the days of real emotional talks with no distractions have really gone out the window. And so it'd be nice to bring them back. Number two, be emotionally supportive. Yeah. So you really want to be that source of support for your children. You know, during the transitions, they just really need to know that you're open and willing to listen and help. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're always going to come to you. It might take time. And so this part is hard for parents where they say, well, I asked them how they're doing. I invite the question or I invite the conversation and then they just sort of turn me down. Keep asking, keep asking the questions, keep being approachable. Um, they need you to know that they need to know that it's okay to talk about feelings. You can validate their experiences by just letting them know that that feeling makes sense and that feeling's okay to have. Um, for example, you could say something like, okay, so I'm hearing you say this, this, and this. I think that it seems to me like you might be feeling scared. Is that right? And check in and really kind of guide them through a process where they know okay, not only are my feelings okay, but my parent wants to know how I'm feeling, really wants to know how I'm feeling. Um, and then again, as I, I just sort of reference this, but being really patient, expecting that your children might need time to open up about how they're experiencing. But if you keep asking, someday they're gonna take you up on that offer. Um, and it's really just um, the, being, the, the being an available source of support. And you're communicating that by asking the questions, even if your child doesn't want to talk, you're still getting that message through. And so it's worth it to do it, even if they take some time to really start telling you what they're thinking and what's going on for them. You're listening to the Divorced Girl Smiling podcast with Jackie Pilisoff. I'm here today with Carrie O'Hara, PhD and Assistant Professor of Psychology at Arizona State University. And Carrie and I are talking about 16 tips for parenting after divorce. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get to the other 14 tips. We'll be right back. 
I've never talked to someone who got divorced and who said the process was easy and that it didn't take long or it didn't cost a lot of money. But Paulette Rigo's divorce story makes most others seem like a cakewalk. Paulette is a certified divorce coach and mediator who endured an eight and a half year divorce case that ended in a 12 day trial and four years of post litigation. That was in 2007. And that was Paulette's motivation to become a divorce coach and mediator and to dedicate her life helping people going through a high conflict divorce. Paulette is the founder of Better Divorce Academy, where she breaks down divorce from the earliest stages of contemplation to the necessary final steps of healing. And she uses practical tools, inspiration, and a proven mediation negotiation model. If you want to learn more about Paulette, you can find her at betterdivorceacademy.com or you can find her in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girls Smiling. I also want to take a minute to recommend therapist Brittany Baker. So Brittany is based on the North Shore of Chicago, but she also sees clients in a few other states and she does some divorce coaching all over the country. So Brittany is an LCSW. She works with couples, adults, and teens during hard, stressful times, including divorce. She is seasoned. She's the founder of Nix Baker Wellness and Therapy and believes that therapy starts with creating a strong relationship and continues with building skills that work for your life and meet your needs. It evolves by integrating your past and present to recognize patterns in your life to create lasting positive change. If you want to learn more about Brittany, you can find her at nixbakerwellness.com or in the trusted professional section of Divorced Girl Smiling. Welcome back to the Divorced Girl Smiling podcast. My name is Jackie Pilisoff and I'm your host. I'm here today with Carrie O'Hara, PhD. Carrie has been working with divorcing families and kids for 15 years. She totally knows what she's talking about and she is sharing 16 tips for parenting after divorce. And we're on number three, which is express love and affection. And by the way, what I want to say about these tips is they seem really obvious, like, okay, obviously I'm going to express love and affection. But the reason why it's important to listen to Carrie is because from a psychologist's point of view, who has actually studied children and what they respond to, she can take express love and affection to a new level. So go ahead. What does that actually mean to you, express love and affection? Yeah, that's a really great question. And so this can mean a lot of different things for different families. I think one of the important things to remember is to be intentional about it. Um, one of the things to, to remember, I, I love how you said, many of these seem so obvious, but we also know that when parents are going through a divorce, there's about a thousand things on their mind at any given point. And so it's not always easy to do these obvious things, even though we, we think we do them naturally. A lot of them still take some intentional, um, some intention behind them, especially when there's such a stressful time going on. So showing love and affection, that can be 
anything that you do with your children um, naturally, but making sure that it's a consistent thing that happens, whether it's hugs and kisses, sitting close to them while talking or sharing stories or, or doing some sort of activity together, you know, putting your arm around them, reassuring them. One of the things that's really important for parents, and they, oft, they often tell me, well, my kids know this. And it's like, okay, well, maybe your kids do know this, but still tell them, still say it. Tell them that you are being the best parent that you can be through this transition. Tell them that you know that this is a stressful time, you see that. And that one of the important things is just to really reassure them um, that despite all the changes in their family, your love and commitment to them is not going to change. Number four, promote healthy coping. You can promote your children's healthy coping in a lot of ways. You can model for them, doing it yourself, um, saying aloud how you're feeling and what you're doing to sort of cope with those feelings, um, helping them, reminding them to break tasks into really small manageable steps. Reminding yourself too is probably helpful. Question about breaking tasks into smaller steps. Mm -hmm. Give me an example. Yeah. So, I mean, this can be something that's not even related to the divorce, right? So let's say that your um, child comes home from school and they say that they have so much, you know, they're, they're worried about this test that's coming up. They have no idea where to start. And so you can talk to them about what's the first step that we have to do. Okay. Let's write it. Let's sit down and talk it through. What are we going to do first? You know, what are we going to do second? Make them feel like it's manageable. We've all faced that thing that just feels like a mountain in front of us, right? And it's a it's a totally normal human response to want to just avoid it altogether. But we know, and especially when kids are going through stressful events, some of the things that end up getting affected sort of indirectly is their other important developmental tasks, like going to school and learning, right? Getting along with their friends. Um, and so reminding kids that they can handle these things, even though it feels really overwhelming. And then, you know, like we said, breaking it into small tasks, no matter what it is, um, really kind of helps them feel like they can do it. Number five, be approachable. Yeah, so being approachable, sometimes we tell parents, you want to be an askable parent. So giving gentle reminders that you want to listen again not pushing them too hard because we don't we want to let kids do it at their own at their own um you know on their own timeline but anticipating or encouraging questions um about the changes what, what are things that are going to change after the divorce or after one parent moves out what things are not going to change um reminding them but also just being open asking them about you know, everything, not just how they're feeling about the divorce, but small things too. Remember when you are there and you're approachable for the small things, the ch your children will know that they can also come to you about the big things. All right. Now, what does not being approachable look like? Like being on your computer, being on your phone, what? Yeah, being distracted. I think another thing that parents sometimes do is when their children ask them like, difficult questions parents sometimes respond to their own their own emotions and sort of um kind of push push the question away if you will so like let's say that a, a child's asking like well why do i you know why is this why are all these changes happening where am i going to be um on next tuesday and the and the parent will say it's okay don't worry about it we've got it like don't don't worry about it you know without saying 
I hear you that this is stressful and you want to know what's happening in your life. You actually, we have um, the schedule all set and you don't have to worry about it, but I'm happy to tell you what's happening when. Kids want to know, dad's going to come pick you up at five o'clock on Friday. You're going to go to his house and then you're going to come back here at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning or whenever they're coming back. Kids feel very comfortable by knowing the schedule and knowing what to expect. I shouldn't even say kids. I think people in general. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. It's like we all want to know what's happening to our in our lives, right? Number seven, catch them doing good. What does that mean? I love this one. This is one of my favorite ones. Um, so we, as parents often notice when our children are doing things that we don't want them to do, right? Um, that's natural. The thing that's a little bit harder to stay on top of is when your children are doing things that you like and pointing that out. Oftentimes when kids do things that we don't want them to do, we'll say something about it. And when they do the things we want them to do, we just don't say anything about it because that's just, you know, that's just how we want the day to go. Um, but noticing aloud the behaviors, the ideas, the qualities about your your kids that you appreciate the most, making them a make it a habit of really catching them doing good and pointing it out. That helps boost their self esteem. It strengthens your relationship with them, and it actually encourages them to do more of those behaviors that you want to see. It's reinforcing. So I want to tell my listeners something, and Carrie, tell me if you've seen this. My kids who are 20 and 22, they always bring up like, they'll say stuff like, mom, you're always criticizing us. And I go, do you not remember when I said that you were doing this great, that you were doing this well? Like kids really tend to remember your criticisms more than your praise. So catching them doing good is even more important because they really sometimes only remember the criticisms. So you really have to do it as much as possible and then remind them. Don't you think, Carrie, are my kids unique in this? Or do you think other kids hear the criticisms more than the praise? You know, I don't think that your kids are unique in this. And I actually think that it applies to all people. You know, we all, we can all remember when we were let's say our boss had a, had a review, you know, we had some sort of performance review. What, what's the things that you remember? You know, they could say a hundred nice things thing, about you. Yes. So one thing. one thing you need to work on is what you're going to remember about the whole review. You're right. Exactly. So it's just, a, it, it's a human tendency and kids absolutely do that. And then the other thing I think parents do oftentimes is they put them together, right? So they'll say, I really loved how you did X, Y, and Z, but you probably could have done this. We we key into the but. Everything before the but gets forgotten almost immediately because we zero in on that but. Next one is foster other relationships. So I think that when people go through a divorce or when kids' parents are going through a divorce, any good relationships help. So yeah. what are you talking about? Like with teachers, aunts, uncles, cousins, anybody who's a good role model, right? Yes. All of the above. So remember that relationships can provide extra support, encouragement, 
you know, during good times, but also most importantly during difficult times, right? And so supporting healthy relationships. One of the biggest things um, that we always talk about, and I know that this is complicated for a lot of families, um, but one of the biggest gifts that you can give your child through a divorce process is the permission to, uh, to love both parents. Okay. And I know that that's hard for a lot of parents, you know, allowing them to have positive relationships without having to choose, without having to be in the middle um, is if there's any way that that's possible for your family, that is just truly the best gift that you can give your child. So that was the next tip. Let them love both parents and carry your right as somebody who went through a divorce and as somebody who's in this industry and talks to divorcing men and women all day long. They are so pissed at each other. There's so much resentment. There's so much anger. There's so much fear. And it's very hard to do, but you have to let your children love the, your spouse no, in regardless of how you feel about him or her. It's critical. When they hear negative things about that other parent, they automatically think, well, if that parent's so bad, then I must be too. And if you're the parent who was cheated on and you are having a hard time because your kids still love your ex so much, that's okay. And what I want to tell people is that when your kids get older, if they don't know already, they know about the cheating and they feel for you and they're mad at their parent for the cheating, but it doesn't mean they're not going to still love them and want them in their lives. So just have comfort knowing that your kids know, and I'm sure that they agree with you that it was wrong, but they might not show it. They might never show it their whole lives, but they do feel for you and they, you are validated. They just want to love your spouse regardless, like Carrie said, of what he or she did. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better, Jackie. You, you really hit that on that. Yeah. All right. The next one is support sibling bonds. So that's really important. Tell me about that. Yeah. So that is really important. You know, um, children oftentimes when there are siblings involved, um, there's really no one else in the world that has that point of view as you know with them that shares that point of view now we're obviously children in the same family they can have wildly different experiences of the same thing but still their sibling is the person that has the closest experience to them of anyone in the world right they also are seeing their two parents um go through this and so really supporting that sibling um bonding and coping and you know i know that siblings there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict in sibling relationships too, but the most that you can, the most you can do to support that is really going to be a very big source of resilience for your child. And again, like you said, maybe not in that moment, but it could, that, that support from that sibling relationship, maybe it doesn't even show up until they're teenagers or young adults. Um, but don't write that off because that's an important relationship that can really be a source of understanding and coping and validation. And how do you support sibling bonds? Meaning like schedule time for them to be together alone, having a talk with all the kids together. What does that look like? Yeah, I think, I think those are really great ideas. I mean, making sure that you have, that they have their time together 
um, that they have, you know, access to being able to call or message if you have a visitation schedule that makes them separate. Um, you know, just making sure that they have access to that to that sibling relationship. And then also, I think it's okay to say, you know, I know that this is just such a stressful time. There's so many changes happening in our family. Um, I'm so glad that you have each other to really kind of help 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 each other through that and pointing that out if you see them supporting each other again we always want to catch them doing good right so if you see that um, one sibling is is um, comforting another really notice that and say I just love that you were really there for your brother um, I think that that meant a lot to him that oh, kind of I stuff. like that a lot next one update teachers yeah, yeah, this is an important one. Keeping the adults in your child's life apprised of what's going on. Because um, especially with teachers, we see time and time again um, that schoolwork and ed or educational, you know, sort of achievement is one thing that often suffers um, for children. And it makes sense if you think about it, right? That's their job. And their job is to learn. But when any of us are going through a stressful time, it's hard to concentrate on work, you know, and put all of your effort into it. And so it makes sense that children are going to have some competing. Um, these are these are things that are competing for their attention. Do I mean thinking about the divorce and the stress that's going on, or am I listening in class? Um, so it makes a lot of sense that kids are going to have trouble there. And so letting teachers know what's going on so that teachers can be watching, you know, does your child, are they distracted to have their grades suddenly started to drop, you know, making sure that you're catching these things before they get so far down the line that it's harder to, to get caught up. Um, and I think just the simple act of letting teachers know, Hey, this is going on in our family. You know, could you please just keep an eye out? Let me know if you see anything, that sort of thing that can be enough for teachers because otherwise teachers might attribute those differences to something totally different. Right. Next one, maintain routine. I just love this one because I, again, can only speak for my own kids, but even now at their ages, they love routine. They thrive in routine and schedules and everything at the same time, all the time. It's very comforting. Yes, yes, absolutely. That is children, um, well, I would say children, but also adults, we all we all get safety and security in our routines, right? That's what we do. And, you know, the thing that is tough about it is that routines are difficult in this, in, in this, in the situation of um, when parents are starting to figure out what does their new life look like. And so keeping routines as stable as possible can really help your children feel safe and secure, but also talking to them. We were talking about this just a few minutes ago, but talking to them about the changes in routine. So they know what to expect. So unpredictability is a very stressful thing for, I mean, not just kids, anybody, but especially kids and especially during divorce. If something's unpredictable, it's just going to cause them stress and what you want to try to do is cause them the least amount of stress as possible. And routine will take away from that unpredictability. All right. I want to end on, this is one of my favorite tips. Keep a weekly family hour. What does that look like? Yes. So in the programs that we've developed for parents, we call this family fun time. And it is an hour a week that you spend with your children um, or the people that live in your house, um, 
try not to have extra people. It's really your time as your family, um, whatever that looks like now. And it's something that kids can count on. They know it's going to happen, right? So you can be running, I mean, we know all parents, but especially parents navigating separation and divorce, there's a hundred things to do every single day and there's not enough time. And so, you know, you can be busy, 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 but if they have that one hour a week that they know they're going to get you and they're going to get your attention and it's just time for you to do something together, that is going to go so far. And the key is really to make sure that it, again, it's routine, it's stable, try not to cancel it. I know things come up, life happens, but as much as you can to really protect that precious time, only has to be an hour, only has to be one day a week, but it's just, think of it as sort of like a reset um, moment for you and your kids to just come back together, even though there's so many things going on. Um, and I know depending on visitation schedules, sometimes once a week is not possible, um, but whatever it is, put it on the calendar, schedule it and keep that appointment with your kids. People going through a divorce are in crisis mode. And so they often forget to have fun. They forgot yeah. that life is about having fun also. And I only know this, I'm not a psychologist, but because I went through it and I think I wrote an article one time called like, don't forget to live during your divorce mm -hmm. because yeah. you're so focused on this crisis and there's one problem popping up every minute during a divorce, you know, like you get a call from your ex's attorney or something yeah. fell through or you have a fight with your ex. And so it's, there's so much happening that you do forget to live your life. And what I want to tell my listeners is that the best way to keep a weekly family hour is to buy tickets to stuff. I swear, this is a good mm. tip. Just buy tickets. If you see a play you think your kids would like or to an amusement park, because my dad always said this, once you buy the tickets, you can't get out of it. So you have to go. So that's going to be your priority. So it's yeah. a really good solution in making sure that gets done. What do you think, Carrie? I think that that's a great idea, especially for families that have those resources and means. I also want to say that it doesn't have to be expensive. You can accomplish the the point or the goals of family fun time, which really is to build those strong family bonds um, by just having, you know, your children can choose the activity. It can be inexpensive. It can be a picnic. It can be a hike, playing board games, any of that. Um but set reminders, post it on the calendar. It really is worth, I will just tell you a very short story about we, I was involved in a program where we taught parents these skills and we have children 15 years later saying that they remember family fun time. You know, they're in their mid twenties now and they just, that's the thing that they remember about that time. It's so powerful. You're so right. And you would know you did the research but the thing is, um, you're right about that. You don't have to buy tickets all the time. But if you block the time off on your calendar, it will happen. If you don't, it's yes. just never going to happen. Exactly. So. And that part's important too, because remember, it needs to be predictable. So children need to be able to know and see that's our time. That's my time with my family. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. Scheduling it, block it off and treat it like a very important appointment because it is. Well, Carrie, thank you so much. These tips have been amazing. You're so smart. You are so knowledgeable about this stuff. 
and uh, really appreciate having you on. I really appreciate being here. I've told you, I think the first time we talked, this is one of my favorite parts of my job is when I get to share the findings that we that we get from our research with um, families and parents and people that can really benefit from them. That's my the goal of all of my work is to is to support families, give them real strategies that they can actually use in their day to day life and and help their and help their children. Just love it. So if you want to participate in this ASU research project, I will put a link to it in the show notes. The project is called Project Brain Team. It's for kids nine to 12. It's a one to two to three minute time commitment for six weeks, one to two or three minutes a day. That's it. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. And if you want to find trusted vetted divorce professionals or listen to more podcasts or read articles or sign up for my free consult, come see me at divorcedgirlsmiling.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and we'll talk to you real soon.